What if I told you that there's a cure for chronic pain? Yes, for that pain you were told you would just have to manage. And what if I told you that that cure is already inside of you? Would you believe me? Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast, where we talk about how to truly alleviate chronic suffering. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and I'm really pleased to be here with you for episode number 17. So in this episode, I speak with the ever so lovely Joseph Vargas, who is a chronic pain coach, and he also has his very own TMS recovery story. So Joseph is a amazing coach. His approach really reminds me of Dan Buglio, and you can find his little videos and things on Instagram and he has some really great insights to bring to this episode and his recovery story is also really phenomenal. So Joseph I think is evidence of the true power of TMS or mind-body symptoms to just manifest in the most diverse, just yeah really diverse way. So he experienced over 40 different symptoms over his life and that, that include things like eczema, acne, uh, his childhood asthma he puts down to TMS, as well as things like chronic pelvic pain, back pain, CRPS, ulcers on his feet from his CRPS. So just really, really incredible. Really just goes to show that the brain can absolutely induce pretty much any symptom and I think one of the things we talk about in this episode is how people often get stuck is my symptom TMS can this be TMS I need to find someone who's had this exact symptom profile that's healed to to prove to me that it's TMS but really pretty much anything can be TMS one of the things I really like too about this episode is that Joseph admits that he's still a work in progress And he's working on his mental health and his anxiety and things like that. And I think we're all works in progress forever. (laughs) You know, that is the human condition. And one of the things I really hope that eventually comes out of this kind of growing mind-body healing space is the sort of recognition that we need to take care of both our minds and our bodies. And I would even go as far as to say our spirit. I mean, we all grow up being told now that we need to eat healthy and we need to exercise. How nice would it be if we're also told that we need to look after what's going on in our mind? We need to check in with our emotions and our mental state. We learn tools like meditation and deep breathing and how to really regulate ourselves. Wouldn't that be fantastic? But anyway, I digress. I won't take up too much of your time before I get into the meat of the episode. What I really like, I just have one last thing I'd like to to say, and that is that I'd like to set you all a challenge, actually. So I challenge you for the next week, two weeks, however long you want to do it. As you go about your day, I want you to check in with yourself and think, where am I holding tension right now? You know, don't do it all day, just a couple of times in the day, maybe if you're sitting in a chair or when you're walking around or just like pick a couple of points in your day and scan through your body and figure out if there is anywhere that you are holding tension that doesn't need to be there. 
So the common places we often hold tension are our jaws, our necks, our bottoms, our pelvic floors, those sorts of places, sometimes our hands. So are you holding tension anywhere? And then can you consciously relax that tension? Oh, and do it at night as well as you lay in your bed before you get ready to go to sleep. Have a body scan. See, where am I holding tension? Can I consciously relax that tension? And the reason why I'm setting this challenge is because this is something I'm working on at the moment. For anyone that's familiar with my story, you will know that I had a lot of pain, face, jaw, neck. So that's where I carry all my tension. Shoulders as well. And recently, I've been finding sort of more and more kind of building up there unconsciously. And so I've been working on just trying to relax and trying to make that my unconscious. And it's actually had a really um, good impact on me because I find each time I'm tuning in now, there's a little bit less tension there, a little bit less tension there. So I'm going to keep doing this until one day I tune in and there isn't any tension there. Fingers crossed that I can get there and that my new sort of unconscious way of being will be without the tension there if I keep working on it. So that's what I challenge you to work on too because it is making a big difference for me, just having that less tension. I'm standing up a bit taller. My shoulders are sort of standing up a bit back because it's just not the tension there. Anyway, um, so I'm going to move on to the episode now. And But before that, I have my usual disclaimer to play because as always, just a reminder, before you get into doing this work, you definitely need to get the checks from your doctor to make sure that you don't have anything more serious going on or something that definitely needs medicating, that sort of thing. I am a provisional psychologist with my PhD or my doctorate in education, but I'm not a medical doctor. So all of the content that I provide about mind-body healing in any medium, including but not limited to this podcast and my social media channels is for informational purposes only. No content provided by me is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. The purpose is to promote broad understanding and knowledge of various health topics. If you choose to use any information provided by me, you do so solely at your own risk. Always seek the guidance of your doctor or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health or medical condition. Do not embark on a mind-body healing journey until you have the clearance from your healthcare practitioner to do so, until you have discussed how to apply mind-body healing to your own individual case. The methods discussed by guests on the show are not necessarily endorsed by me. Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and today I'm here with the lovely Joseph Vargas. And it's really a pleasure to have you here with me, Joseph. Thank you for agreeing to come on and speak with me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. And Joseph is a mind body coach, and you can find him on Instagram at mindbodytalk.com. 
or on YouTube, Young Money Talk is his channel name. So just so we all know that before we get started, because I often forget to ask my guests <laughs> that question. So Joseph, um, just to get us started, um, introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Tell us, yeah, just free floor. Off you go. <laughs> yeah. So hi guys, thanks for listening. Um, I'm Joseph. I've experienced mind body symptoms pretty much my entire life. I'll tell you the first one I could remember is childhood asthma. I do believe asthma is TMS. Absolutely. So it was, it was pretty severe. I used to have to be on a, uh, I don't know what that machine is called, but pretty much I would, it was a ventilator and I would like uh, inhale this medication, whatever it was. And I would have to do that every day. I remember that as a child and I hated it. I hated it. Uh, I also remember I had some pretty bad childhood constipation. Uh, I also believe that was 100% TMS. Um, so it, it's been it's been a lifelong thing for me. Things came and went. Um, dealt with acne later on. That was uh, pretty severe, like body acne. I also think that was TMS. Uh, just a bunch of things. But uh, it, it got bad about, uh, in uh, 2018. And uh, the symptom that it chose to latch on to that was really bad was CPPS. Um, and that, that was pretty severe and life altering. And that was when I decided to seek answers for so that's what I was doing. Chronic, sorry, sorry. That's chronic pelvic pain syndrome. Correct. CPPS. Yeah. So it's yeah. like all, all in the pelvic area, genitals, all that's, it's terrible. Um, it's, it's very nagging. It is a terrible area to get pain in. Oh, absolutely. Um, Particularly so, for a young yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and women get it too. They call it inter, inter, interstitial, interstitial societies. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's bad. It, and, um, you know, you get the frequent urination. It, it, it's just terrible. Um, but it's reversible. And you know what? Fun fact about that. I want to, I'm just reminding, I've never talked to anyone about this or talked about it on my YouTube, but there was a time where I was doing a bunch of research on CPPS after I had already gotten over it, um, but I had a relapse. And so I was like, you know what? I want to, I want to do more research and find out more about it. And there was a forum for it and people were trying PT. Yeah. If people were trying PT, they were trying all kinds of things. And then somebody uh, eventually had discovered uh, Dr. Sarno and like other authors who talk about the mind-body connection, tried it out, came back, told the forum about what they found. Other men were in the forum were doing it. And then eventually they actually just shut down the forum because there's no need for it anymore. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah so if you were to go on that forum i don't remember exactly what the website was called but you go on that forum it's not there like it just it, they just have a list of resources now but there's no forum um because they found out hey this there's actually nothing wrong this isn't actually a condition therefore we don't need a forum mm -hmm. so um yeah i dealt with that it was bad and then uh i i seeked medical help for a long time without getting any help eventually found out about Don, uh, John Sarno, took it into my own hands, doing my own research. 
And Sarno's theory, when I applied it, that was the only thing that really touched the pain. I didn't get complete relief, but it brought it down a lot. Uh, I had a huge improvement of quality of life, um, which I was very happy for. Uh, but then I went on a journey to try and go get full, complete recovery. And uh, so I yeah, studied many hours. I've, I've studied many others' recovery stories and uh, eventually ditched the CPPS. Uh, then after that, and my story is very long, so I'm going to condense it. Um, but after that, I actually relapsed with TMS and then I got CRPS, which is even worse. I thought there was nothing oh worse goodness. than CPPS. <laughs> yeah, I thought there was nothing worse, but then I found out there was something worse and it's CRPS and that's nerve pain. And I would say nerve pain is the worst of all the psychosomatic symptoms that you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a very- reason, as I said, there's a reason why CRPS is nicknamed the suicide disease. Absolutely, it was awful. Uh, I will say it was my fault. I, there was a series of events that led to the CRPS. It didn't just come out of nowhere. It was me not managing my mental health. Um, and it was bad. It was bad. It was like nine out of 10 pain on both feet. Um, and then I, I got the skin ulcers, uh, that also appear with CRPS. So now I was seeing a physiological manifestation of TMS, which I wasn't new to. But for a long time, that hadn't happened, you know, because I had also had hives in the past, which is physiological, a little bit of eczema here and there. But uh, the CRPS, that, that was ugly. And um, that's when I, I really bucked up and I learned even more, took it serious. And now I don't I don't have CRPS like I, I just don't have it. I don't have chronic symptoms either anymore. I will get acute symptoms if I'm not managing mm-hmm. my mental health well but I always know how to get out of them. And so they never become chronic. Mm. So that's a little bit about me. And now I coach people one on, I, I coach people one-on-one. Um, you know, I've, I've overcame like for sure over 40 different symptoms. So uh, I'm confident. I know what I'm talking about when I speak with people and I don't want people to suffer as long as I did because this information, like it's, it can become a bit difficult to integrate it when you're new to this. It takes a while and I want to condense people's time frame. So that's why I do the whole coaching thing and my YouTube. Mm, yeah, you certainly had quite a journey there, didn't you? And quite Absolutely. a lot of severe symptoms. Go ahead. All that resilience, like incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, uh, I don't know where it comes from sometimes, but um, I will say like I'm still on a journey. You know, I don't have chronic physical symptoms anymore, but I still deal with anxiety. I still have that TMS personality, the um, mm. obsessive, obsessive phobic. Even um, I tend to worry naturally. That's my default, my factory settings. Um, I tend to be a workaholic. I tend to be a perfectionist, a high achiever. Uh, I can, uh, yeah. So it's still a journey that I'm on, but the good news is that you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to be perfect to not have symptoms. And I want people to know that. I really like that quote. You don't have to be perfect to not have symptoms. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so as you've said before, you've recovered from over 40 different symptoms, which is amazing. Um, Hats off to you. And now you take all that knowledge into your coaching. So can you tell me a little bit about the coaching that you do and how you work with people? Yeah, absolutely. So I do one, I do two things with people. I do long-term stuff and then I do one-off consultations with people who just want a little bit of clarity, who are usually people who are knowledgeable already and they just like have a few questions they want to ask. And the work, the work that I'm rooted in, in my coaching is, uh, and I, it's, it's been, it's been slow for me to get to this point, but I'm really on the side that we need to deal with right now, as opposed to the past. Uh, the past is important mm-hmm. because it's made you who you are. It's maybe given you some bad coping mechanisms, some survival strategies that maybe worked back then, but you don't need anymore. And now they're maladaptive. They're not adaptive anymore. Um, but we need to work with your suffering right now. That's most important. We need to get you off of the five F's, which is fear, focus, frustration, fighting, fixing your symptoms. And we need to get you present. And we need to get your brain to, to go from up here, fight or flight, to down to rest and recover. And when it's in that peace state of mind, your symptoms, if you're, if you, if you stay in that peace state of mind for a long enough time, then your symptoms will eventually abate. Um, I, and then you get better at it. I'm at the point now where if I get stressed, I have acute symptoms. I calm down. My symptoms will go away pretty fast, but it was not always that way, especially with the CRPS. I had to really stay in that peace state of mind for a while before the symptoms started to calm down. Um, so you generally the, 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 um, order of recovery is peace first symptoms will go later. Develop that flexibility in your nervous system. And you can see that's where you are now. You quite. Absolutely. Yes. And so that's what I do with the clients. Like I'm, I don't get too dynamic with clients. I know how to, I know all about psychodynamic work, shadow work, digging into the unconscious, how it's affecting you now, all that stuff. But I, what's more important right away is I get people on, let's, let's do what we can right now. What are you doing right now that we can work on? Are you obsessed with your symptoms or do you not cope well with emotions? When you have an emotion, do you, do you obsess about those? Because honestly, that's, that's what got a lot of us here in the first place is that we don't know how to cope well with emotion. And because of that, we stay in fight or flight way longer than we have to, which leads to symptoms. And so I start working with the clients on, on these habits first and foremost. And a lot of the times they're going to get better. And if you watch, uh, are you familiar with Dan Buglio? Who's also in yeah. the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's, he's kind of big on this philosophy too. And uh, um, I'm, I'm right there with him. So yeah, that, that that's how I work with the clients. That's um Excellent. So you said before you do some long-term stuff and then you answer kind of, you might do some one-offs with people who have some questions. So are there any kind of common questions that you often get from people? Do you see sort of similarities in what people are struggling with or wanting to know about? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I would say one of them, the biggest one is symptom profile questions. 
So people want to know, okay, my symptoms are this way. Does that mean it's still TMS? My symptoms are like, well, or I've never seen another one is I've never seen anybody with my set of symptoms. I'm special. I'm different. And this is a huge block for recovery because I'll be talking with clients sometimes and I'll, I'll use a recovery story from another example. And then they're so stuck on the symptom content. They'll go, oh, yeah, but that's that person. They had that symptom. They didn't have what I have. What I have is more annoying or what I have is worse. Whether that's true or not, whether your symptoms are more annoying than some of the other recovery stories out there. And I'm not one of those people that will say that's not true. It is true. There are some symptoms that are more annoying, more painful, more unbearable than others. That doesn't change that. The treatment strategy, though, you treat them all the same. I treated my nine out of 10 pain on my feet the same way that I've treated my eczema, the same way that I've treated back pain that I used to have. This, It's all the same shit. Yeah, they're just different presentations of the same underlying mechanism. Absolutely. And so people will always ask questions about their symptoms. A lot of the times what gets people is they're going to ask, they're going to ask about symptoms that present in ways that are very physical. And what I mean by that is these symptoms behave like physical symptoms. Because, you know, we get, we have our list of things that, um, we can look out for that are uh, sick that either make it more plausible that something is mind body and make it less plausible. Things like does it come and go? Does the intensity move up and down? Um, does does it not hurt during physical activity but only after? Things that kind of make you question it's the physical nature of a symptom. But some people, including myself, I've dealt with this. Have dealt with symptoms that appear very physical i'll give you an example there's some people that have back pain and they won't have back pain unless they quote unquote overdo it if they go exercise too much then they'll have back pain during and it'll start during exercise too i used to have lower back pain on the left side where if i rested i wouldn't have pain i just Mm -hmm. wouldn't and um it, but if I went and exercise or I squatted too much on the squat, uh, you know, squatting the exercise, or I played basketball too much, I jumped too much, I overdid it, then I would have pain. And then if I rested, it would slowly go away. So that that sounds very physical. It's like, well, it makes sense. I went and exercised and now I hurt. If I don't exercise too much, I won't hurt. It's a physical thing. That was mind body too. I had that same kind of presentation in my wrist at some point. Uh, if I didn't overdo it, if I didn't use my wrist, it wouldn't hurt. And actually it would, I could, um, the, the people that who are listening to this, they're not going to see what I'm doing here, but I used to like push my wrist on a table and like put pressure on it and it would hurt. But if I didn't do that, it wouldn't hurt. Mm. And it just seems so physical. That's, that was- it seems so physical. Um, but even those symptoms can be mind body. So that's one, um, reason that's one common umbrella of questions that I get just symptom profiles and can this be mind body can it not yeah I definitely agree with you there's a lot of like I need to find the exact same symptoms that are mine to prove that what I have is mind body it's that belief stage fully believing that you have a mind body condition which can be challenging when you've been told your whole life that it's physical that it's in your body that it's right 
for sure. And uh, I will say I've dealt with some pretty rare symptoms that I never found another story for. Mm. And I got rid of those two. There are, there are such things as rare mind-body symptoms. They are more rare. Uh, on my YouTube, I have an interview with a, a um, fantastic um, woman. I actually, And I'm actually uh, working with her, uh, helping people specifically just with health anxiety. It's totally separate from my TMS thing. But um, she dealt with something called aquagenic urticaria. Oh, I which is- saw that. Okay, great. Yeah, so that is actually in the NIH. It's in the Rare and Genetic Disease Database. It's TMS. That's allergy to water, isn't it? Yeah, skin skin allergy to water. It's incredible. Yeah, it's TMS though. And so what if she had, like, I cannot find a story like that anywhere. She is like the only story I can see on the internet that's actually recovered from that. Yeah, when I saw that on your channel, I was like, wow, like this is, I'd never heard of that before. But honestly, I think TMS can manifest in any symptom under the sun, you name it. And I think it can be TMS, like any symptom. 100%, 100%. And so um, what I would tell the people if they're dealing with this kind of belief thing is do what Sherelle did, which. And it's funny because Sherelle, if you watch the interview, she acts, she pretty much accidentally did pain reprocessing therapy with that symptom. Uh, she just went and she, she showered anyway. She did it anyway, mm-hmm. which is what we tell people to do. If you're in pain, go walk anyway. Yep. You know, you, your wrist hurts, go lift weights anyway. And that's what she did. She took a shower. She refused to not take a shower because people were stopping taking showers because their skin would react. And what she would do, she'd put a large gown on and she wouldn't look at her hives. So I'm not going to focus on this. She mm-hmm. avoided the five Fs. <laughs> she, she applied TMS theory. She didn't even know she was doing didn't it. Didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it worked. So what I would say to you guys, if you're listening to this and you're dealing with that, try it out. Try it out. Like this, um, for most kind of symptoms, there are, this is a no risk um, approach. You know, there, there's no risk to trying this stuff out. And sometimes the only way you're going to find out for sure, because sometimes there is no way to know for sure whether your symptom is TMS, especially if you, if no one else has ever had the symptom you've had, the only way to know is to treat it like TMS and see what happens, which but is what I, I would, tell clients. As I, say, I would argue, even if in the rare cases, it's not TMS, it's something else. Doing this sort of work is going to benefit you anyway. You're going to get greater flexibility in your nervous system. You're going to turn your fear down. You're going to become you know, more embodied in your body. All those sorts of things are going to benefit you in different ways anyway. So it's a, it's not like you're losing out. So like it's a no-lose situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you, can only, you can only gain. You cannot lose. And um, absolutely. And that's also what I tell people, like, even if it was physical, I would tell you to stop worrying about your symptoms. Like that's wrecking your mental health, wrecking mm-hmm. it. When you're obsessing about, even if you did have a, an actual disease, like you obsessing about it is not going to cure you. You poking, prodding your pain, thinking about it all day is not going to fix it. We know that's a fact. No, it's just going to make you miserable and it's going to limit your life and limit the things you focus on. 
and just really constrain you in ways where you don't you don't need to be constrained. Absolutely. And uh, Andrea Segal, she's a rheumatologist uh, who uh, actually has a chapter in one of Sarno's books. She said that a lot of TMS patients are more focused on their body than some of her patients with actual illness. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me because mm-hmm. TMS is, is your distraction. It's um, serving that purpose for you. So it's. Mm-hmm. You know, Mm-hmm. And, and for the most of the time you get it from having an obsessive personality in the first place. Mm. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, of course now you're pain. Of course you're going to obsess on pain. That's like everybody kind of obsesses about pain, but for someone with an obsessive personality, you're going to just take it all the way. I've actually um, been thinking about myself, whether for somebody with TMS, <clears throat> pain is sort of another form of addiction, just like, yes that's what you become obsessed over that's what you become addicted to that's your outlet I think it's kind of a similar manifestation to people who become addicted to things but we just choose we don't choose but like our subconscious makes it pain absolutely and if if you see so if you look at um like the symptom imperative for example um one thing that I think is that the brain is looking for something else to obsess on it is. And so it gives you something else. And I'll tell you from my personal experience and from what I've read, even things like OCD, where if somebody obsesses about one thing, which um, I believe Sarno thought that was also TMS because it's a distraction. When you're obsessed about anything, you're not thinking about your stresses of daily life. When you're thinking about your pain all day, you cannot think about your relationships, your work. Uh, your money issues, you just focus all day on the pain. And with uh, OCD, people with pure OCD, people will latch on to certain things and just worry, like obsess, 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 obsess. But what happens with even OCD people is that once they get over one obsession, it's very common for them to start obsessing about something else Mm. and start obsessing. And then they get over that one and they obsess about something else. And they're so stuck in the content of the obsession, they're not actually looking at it as a disorder. And that's what we need to do with TMS. Don't worry about the content of the symptoms. We need to actually be looking at the disorder. That's the problem. The problem is is psychological. That's why Sarno said, move your attention away from the physical to the psychological, because that's where the issue's at. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up OCD because I think things like OCD specific phobias generalized anxiety all those sorts of things can often pop up as symptom imperatives and sneaky symptom imperatives after you've oh, yes. sort of gotten over that first bout of pain and they're quite sneaky they are because you don't associate oh. them so much I've been taken for a spin yep I've been taken for a spin more than once mm-hmm. by stuff like that mm-hmm Okay, so you were speaking about um, Sano and getting your focus off of the pain and all of those sorts of things. And I know that's something that can be really quite difficult for a lot of people and it can take quite a bit of time. And you even yourself had quite a long recovery journey. And one of the things I think people struggle with is impatience. And wondering why is this taking so long? Why am I not healing? I've got all the knowledge. 
So what is your advice around impatience and recovery? Yeah, um, well, this is good because um, there was another question that I wanted to bring up as far as like frequent questions that I get. Mm. And um, it has to also do though with impatience. So impatience and recovery is huge. Like you have to be patient when you're doing this. And it's, it sounds, it's, I wish it wasn't like this. I, I'm sorry that it is, but this is the human condition. The more impatient you are, the longer your symptoms will go. A good analogy is if you've ever tried to rush somebody else when you're going somewhere, I know I have in the past with ex-girlfriends, with, you know, with my friends where you're like, hurry up, hurry up and get ready. We got to go. And if sometimes people will say, the more you rush, the more you rush me, the longer I'm going to take. And that's exactly how these symptoms are. The more you rush them, the longer they're going to take to leave. Mm. There's like endless analogies with this. Another one that I use is uh, the symptoms are shy. They don't want to be seen leaving. So the more you look at them. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, they don't want to say goodbye. Like it's like the shy person. I, I'm Mexican, so I have huge family parties. Like sometimes I don't want to be seen leaving. I just want to dip out. I don't want to say bye to all 50 of my cousins <laughs> or all 50 of my aunts because I'm going to get caught up in another conversation. I just want to leave. I don't want nobody to see me, to, to ask me when I'm going to leave. I just want to leave. And that's mm -hmm. how these symptoms are. They just want to, they just want to leave. They don't want to be seen leaving. They don't want to be asked when they're going to leave. The more you do that, the more they stay because now they get nervous and they're like, Oh, now people are looking at me. I can't leave on it unwatched. So patience is, is huge. That's such a good analogy. Sorry. I really like that one. You use that one. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. They don't want to be seen leaving and recovery. If you don't know what it looks like the first time you're not going to, it's harder to believe that this is how it works. I always tell people, we need to get you some experience. We need to get you uh, at least one experience where you can actually realize this for yourself and see that this is real. That way, when you get a symptom in the future, you know, you can go back to the same thing and you can trust mm -hmm. that this is going to work. And so think, people, oh, go ahead. I, say, I think one of the things for me, because I was extraordinarily impatient, it took me a very long time to heal as well. I was one of those like multi-year type, you know, healing. It took for me. <laughs> me too. I think what uh, took the longest for me to get to really understand is that the goal of the TMS work, of doing this work, isn't actually to reduce your symptoms. The goal yes. that you should be aiming for is to reduce your fear of the symptoms. So it's it's that fear part and really reducing the fear of the symptoms. And it took me so long for that to click, that it wasn't actually about the symptoms themselves it was about the fear and everything that underlied them absolutely and look i'm gonna say this and i and when i say this i'm saying this as somebody who's been through the thick of it who's been through not crps like i i can talk about this i have the authority to do so yeah <laughs> um i do my best to get paid to get clients and people suffering from tms to get to a mindset where it's no longer about the pain, 
because even with the pain, you don't feel like it right now if you're in pain because you're obsessing about it or you're worrying about it and your whole psyche is being dominated by the pain. But if you can eliminate the reaction to the pain, you will see that life is still worthwhile even if the pain is still there. And when I had CRPS, I, I got to a point when I got to peace, regardless of the pain being there, the pain was still there. Did I wish it was gone? Yes, I didn't like it. But the pain was still there. But I had trained my brain to not to no longer be agitated by the pain anymore. It was indifferent. I'll just, I had I'll reached. Say, I'll just have to say, if you can reach indifference with CRPS, like you can reach indifference, like <laughs> it's pot. Yes, it's if possible. I can reach indifference with CRPS, then you can reach indifference with anything, and that's called desensitization. And the human mind can desensitize to anything. The most vile shit you can think of, the most painful shit you can think of, you, your brain can become indifferent through repetition. If you keep showing yourself that it's okay for this thing to be here, you will no longer have that agitated, automatic, knee-jerk reaction to the pain. And that's where I got to. And the day I realized that I was on vacation with a few of my closest friends, and it was it was emotional for me because for the first time I had went from I don't know how much longer I can live with this pain to life is still worthwhile even if this pain stays. It was a radical shift from I can, if I don't heal I don't know how much longer I can go to wow even if this pain stays actually there's still some good things about life that I can enjoy. That's huge. That's a huge shift right there. It was big. It was big time. And, you know, because, it, because CRPS is TMS, staying in that peace eventually had the symptoms going down and down and down. And so, you know, that, this is the whole thing about um, therapy, about TMS coaching, about whatever. Like, I want to I wanna use, I want to compare it to just therapy for people without TMS. Um, you know, as a therapist, a therapist can never tell you that nothing wrong or bad is going to happen to you. A therapist can never tell you that you're not going to suffer. A therapist can never tell you that uh, you're not going to die someday. No. The only thing the therapist can do is help you get peace despite how awful life can be sometimes. Get peace despite the struggles that you're probably going to face in the future, despite adversity, despite loved ones passing away, despite all these things, right? The only thing we can do is learn how to cope. And so that is what I do with the TMS patients. Like I can't, I can't, I can't take your pain away from you. I can't, I wish I could, like, I wish I had a magic pill to do so, but what I can help you do is not let it take over your psyche and just completely dominate your psyche and completely dominate your life as a consequence hmm. but you need to be patient you need to believe the truth it actually doesn't require your belief it's true whether you believe it or not that when you stop reacting to the pain and stop feeding into this obsession of the pain 
you will desensitize and you, and then you can get to a point like I did where the pain's not going to matter anymore. And then if you stay there long enough, the symptoms go away. Yes. Your whole system calms down. Absolutely. Um, but Felicia, if you don't have any comments on that, I wanted to expand. Oh, go. I have one question that I want to come back to, but go expand. Okay. Don't forget that question. Write it down. I've, I've so, got it written down. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> so uh, the other common question I get from people and my clients and um, my clients is, so when I stop obsessing, I don't, let's say, okay, I'm not going to do the five F's. I'm not going to focus on it. I'm going to focus on other things. I'm going to start doing my hobbies. This, hey, is, the thing. this was my question. I was going to say, what do you, if people aren't focusing on the pain, what do they focus on? <laughs> <laughs> Good. That was going to be okay. my question. So. Good. Right. So what would they, I'm going to just answer that now and include it in what I'm going to say. So what, what you would do is here's what you do. What would I do if I wasn't in pain? What would I be doing right now if I was already well? You know, from my, from my um, people who are into stuff like law of attraction and stuff, that's classic law of attraction. How would I be acting right now if I was this person in the future? But if I was that person right now, so what, what would you be doing? Would you certainly wouldn't be Googling your symptoms all day. You certainly wouldn't be ruminating about them. You certainly wouldn't let this affect the decisions you make, which is a huge thing. I used to always be like, I used to let TMS make my decisions for me. Oh yeah. I would always factor in my symptoms. How is this going to make me feel if I do this? You know, I'll fuck all that. Don't even think about that. It's what do I want to do? Fuck how it's going to make you feel. Because if you wait for something that's going to make you feel better, that's not, that doesn't exist right now. Your brain is stuck in fight or flight. The things that you once did before you were in pain are not going to feel good like they did because your brain is stuck in fight or flight. So you need to do things regardless of how it's going to make you feel. Did you used to listen to music before and love it back then? You need to do that. And no, it's not going to make you feel the same way that it did before. But you need to do that. Whatever it is, you have a passion, you have a work, do whatever you need to do to do that. And that's going to give you a purpose. And that also is going to give you um, a little more like uh, more of a passion just for being alive. Because for a lot of people with TMS, they just they've just been existing for a long time. And I know how that feels. It's been this weird pause in your life where you're just existing. This reminds me of a guest I recently had on who spoke a lot about pleasure and bringing pleasure back into yes. our lives. And one of the things she says said it was something along the lines of, you know, from where I am right now, no matter what's happening with the pain or the sensations, where I am right now, what can I do that will, will make me feel good despite, you know? Absolutely. I, despite that's the key word despite despite um i think we try i think sometimes we can try and um, avoid words like despite because they sound kind of negative but in this case no it is despite that is the truth i don't lie to people i don't lie to people i don't tell them this recovery is easy i don't try and say that it's beautiful recovery is suffering yeah i always say about tms it seems simple 
but it's actually the hardest thing you will probably ever do the recovery ever I'm a, I was a straight A student in high school recovering from managing my mental health even to this day is the hardest thing I have to do it's the mm-hmm. hardest thing it's the hardest job I have right now it, it is a job it is a job I, I'm it is a ongoing continuous um, process now when you make it into a habit it feels less like a job which you know, when you start practicing and different, you don't have to apply as much effort anymore to do it because it becomes a habit for your brain. But initially, the shit sucks. And I don't lie to people. And people will always <laughs> yes, it does ask suck. me. Absolutely. And people will ask me questions like, and I could tell they're asking me a question. And both the underlying question under all their questions is like, how can I make this as painless as possible? And I'll well, tell them, like, look at what you're doing the human condition to want to avoid pain so (laughs) unfortunately of course yeah of course it is absolutely but I pointed out when people ask questions like that and I say look this this is natural what you're doing right here but this is what's got you here in the first place you Um, your avoidance of pain creates more pain TMS is like I, I say it's TMS anxiety OCD it's like Hitler you give it one inch, it takes a mile. You you try and appease it for a little bit, which for people who know history, um, certain countries tried to appease Hitler. They said, if we just give him this land, he'll stop. But he didn't stop. And that's what people do with TMS. If I just avoid this activity, it'll stop. Yeah, but if I just bully stop, is, yep, if, a bully is never satisfied. It'll always no, it's that. not. That little bit more, that little bit more, because this, yeah. Absolutely. If I just stop, if I just avoid, if I just avoid this emotional trigger, then I'll be okay. Okay, well, then that goes on for so long. That's how we get agoraphobia. Then sometimes people can't even leave the house. If you're starting down that pathway, if, if I avoid this emotional trigger, I'll be okay. Then usually the next emotional trigger pops up and the next one and the next one and the next one. And then there's you end always, up, yeah, as you said, not being able to leave the house. Life is full of triggers. Mm. it's full of triggers you know I had tried to take a break um from work because I was trying to avoid emotional triggers this was a few months back and then some other shit happened in my life and I was like oh my god dude I can't escape the bullshit so if I can't escape the bullshit I'm gonna use that word despite again how about I have peace despite the bullshit how about I learn how to become strong so despite the bullshit I can cope well. Despite the bullshit, I can still find the joy in life. Despite the bullshit, I can still have a good a good time and enjoy what I can. And so that's the mindset that I want people to have. Um, we kind of went on a sidebar though. So I want to I want to go back to the whole um, once you stop obsessing, mm-hmm. what do you do at that time? And yes. then what's how, what does that look like? Because it is a struggle. It is going to suck. And here's why. So let's say you follow this advice and you, you start going out with friends. You start doing things you didn't used to do because you were so obsessed about the pain. Your brain is not just going to go, oh, okay, yeah, we're having a good time. No, it's going to resist. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to resist because your brain needs to make sure that it's safe to do to not obsess on the pain 
See, your brain works on by um, safety or not safe. It's only two uh, modes that your brain has, safe or not safe. And safe to your brain is there are no imminent threats. There are no imminent threats that are going to kill us right now. This is good. This is a good thing. This is very good feature that we have of our brain. And then safe means, I mean, sorry, unsafe means there is an imminent threat. We cannot relax right now. It's not safe to relax right now. If you're in spider flight, if you have symptoms, that means that your brain is stuck in the mode of it's not safe to relax right now. So when you go out and you try and have a good time, when you start working on your passion, you start doing creative stuff that you want to do. Your brain is thinking it's not safe to, to do this right now. There's a tiger around the corner. There's, there's a, a serial killer that's right outside of my bedroom door. Your brain does not know nuance. It knows life or death. It's a protective machine that only knows life or death. And so when you're doing these activities, yes, you're going to feel anxious. Your only job, here's your only job. When you're doing those activities and you feel anxious and you are, and it's going to fucking suck. And the anxiety actually might go even higher than it did before because you're challenging it and your brain in a very protective way. When those, when that anxiety gets worse or when the symptoms get worse, what it's communicating to you is, are you sure it's safe? Are you sure we can go watch this movie with friends and not die? Are you sure we can uh, continue our to work on our passions and not die? Mm-hmm. And through your actions, you must show it that, yes, there is no imminent threat to my life right now. And some I just uh, did a one-off with a client recently who said something really um, I thought was really smart and descriptive of how it feels. She said, when, when I'm doing this, it feels like there's like these apps running in the background. Like I can't be fully present when I try and do other things. Yes. When I try and ignore the symptoms, it's like my brain, I'm being pulled in two directions. And I said, wow, that is a great, um, that is a great analogy of exactly how that feels because yes, it is going to feel like those apps are running in the background and taking up a lot of your processing power. And yes, you might not be able to think as clear as possible. You are not going to be as present as you possibly can be. But you know what I told her? I said, let those fucking apps run. Let them run in the background. That's your problem. That's your problem. That's our problem as a human species is that we do everything we can to get rid of our pain. But like I said earlier, the brain tries to get rid of pain, but then actually makes more pain. And it creates a vicious cycle. You're trying to escape pain, but you create more pain. Trying to escape problems, you create more problems. And so with our emotions, what we need to do, and with our even our intrusive thoughts are, you know, you might be out with your friends or you might be challenging your pain and your brain's going, you're never going to be able to walk again if this pain gets worse. Or we can't, this is dangerous right now. We can't be doing this. What we need to do is let it, let it be. Just let it, let those apps run in the background. Let you, let that take up whatever attention it's taking. Your only job is to not add to your suffering via your thinking and the five F's, 
fear, focus, frustration, fighting, fixing. These things are automatic, right? You know, you get a symptom, boom, you're going to get fear. Boom, you might get frustrated. Your job, though, is to not add to that. Just let it be. Don't, don't get that feeling of frustration and then start thinking thoughts because that's what you do. That's you. You're participating in that. Going, oh, I'm so frustrated. I haven't recovered. It's been two years. I've known about Sarno for two years and I'm still not better. Oh, my gosh, this is so annoying. You're making yourself worse. You need to stop. And I know it's natural to do that. I, and that's why it's so hard because it's natural to do that. I tell my clients, this is, we are teaching fish how to fly. <laughs> teaching fish how to fly. You're a little fish right now. We're going to teach you how to fly. We're going to teach you how to do something that's totally contrary to your human nature. I've always said the TMS recovery involves going against sort of your nature, what's become your nature that focusing on the pain or that, that overthinking that that has become your nature and you have to try and change that, which is why. So it's like teaching fish how to fly. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and my last comment on this topic is that let those fucking outs run, fly, little fishy fly and don't buy into those. Let them be. And I promise you it's the law that they will calm down because your brain receives inaction as a safety message. When you have that scary thought and you just let it be, your brain goes, hmm, then maybe that's not actually a threat. Let's calm down. Maybe we will still be able to walk. Maybe we will. Uh, maybe we're not going to die. And it calms down. And that's when you'll reach that point of indifference. Like me, when I had CRPS and my brain calmed down, so you know what? This pain is not going to kill us. And you know what? Um, going deep into the whole like psychology of this, I've never read this before, but I just kind of thought this myself when I was going through my stuff is that it's, it's pretty obvious to me that the brain would perceive pain as a threat to your life because think about it if you got your ankle stuck inside of a i don't know between a few rocks or whatever like that's life-threatening and your your ankle would be in pain or and it would probably be bleeding that's scary that means you need to get some help like and so when you have this pain that's not actually life-threatening i think the brain doesn't understand the difference between life-threatening pain and pain that's not life-threatening and because how can it? It's just a brain. It's not as smart as we give it credit for. It is and it's not at the same time. You know, it's very intricate, but it's also very simple in the way that it, it perceives threat. And so I think the only way we're going to teach our brain that this pain is not life-threatening, it is safe to have, it's not an imminent threat on your life, is that just let it be. Leave it and you'll show your brain that it's safe. Now, I do one thing that people might say, yeah, well, it's not life-threatening, but it's, um, it's fucking with my quality of life. So it's threatening my quality of life. That might be true. It might. But you can dramatically decrease the way it's affecting your quality of life if, like I said, we can get to peace despite being in pain. And you might find, like me, that you'll see that, hey, this pain can stay here 
but there's still things, there's still enough things I can get out of life that makes it worthwhile. So that's my last comment on that. Mm, yeah, I would argue that pain is designed to get you to do something. It's a messenger. So if you're stuck in the rock, that pain is like telling you, you need to go and get help. And I think it's the yeah. same with this uh, mind body sort of pain. It's telling you, you need to go and get, get help. Like you're stuck in this hyper aroused, not stuck, but you're in this hyper aroused state. You're spending too much time in fight or fight. You need to do something to bring this down. Like, I think it's a I, and I trying to get you to do something. And if you ignore that, it gets worse because the brain becomes more panicked. I agree. And I actually, I actually um, really like that theory. Um, mm -hmm. I really like that theory because I've thought of that myself. Perhaps the, the perhaps the brain understands that chronic fight or flight is not good for the body. And so perhaps the, the pain is letting you know, hey, you know, let's let's get out of fight or flight because this is not good for our physiology. Um, and that's pretty consistent with the fact that um, people's pain usually gets worse and worse the longer that they're in fight or flight. Um, okay. And that symptom imperatives generally become more intense and more intense. Yeah, it's your brain like becoming more and more distressed because you're not, you know, going and getting that help or going and doing what it, you need to do. Because if you're stuck in that rock and your foot's bleeding, your brain's going to get more and more distressed over the loss of yes. blood. And, you know, I think it's similar. And it's very adaptive. You know, when people are are like, um dying in ambulances they actually like slap them and shock them to keep to keep them alert mm. they want them to be vigilant because if they if they go to sleep they're probably not going to wake up no that's so right. our, our the brain getting more and more scared as you as it perceives you're getting closer and closer to death is a very adaptive thing and physically it actually keeps people alive in situations like um crisis ambulance situations and the other thing I was going to say, which relates back to what you were saying about uh, let the apps run in the background, you know, let it all, let it happen. Just go and do it anyway. Just If you're getting overwhelmed, take a deep breath, remind yourself that you're safe. Uh, my mantra was always, I'm safe in this moment and in this space. And then I would continue on. I would continue socializing with my friends or continue yes. with, you know, so you're and that's, safe. That's, and that's the key. Because Felicia, sometimes what people do too is they will become, they will start to compulsively reassure themselves. So they go, I'm safe, I'm in this moment. And then they'll go continue what they're going to do and they still might not feel better. And so they'll keep telling themselves, I'm safe in this moment. I'm safe in this moment. I'm safe in this moment. Like, and it becomes this compulsive thing. So if you're going to reassure yourself, do it once. Yeah, do it once, move do on. Do it once and then move on. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I just have a couple of closing questions. This has been such a great conversation, Joseph. You have so much wisdom to share and I'm sure you're going to help so many people and I'm sure you already have. Um, we desperately need more people like you, obviously, um, getting this message out. So my general concluding questions that I usually have for people are, uh, what would you say to listeners who are still struggling with believing that mind-body work could help them? Great question. I would, this is going to be counter to what maybe a lot of people would say, but stop trying so hard to believe and just fucking do it. Yeah. 
see for yourself. Stop trying to convince yourself because the brain will come up with doubts and doubts and doubts and doubts and doubts. I know that this is possible because I've experienced it. It's like you get you get one question answered, then you'll have 10 more. You get those answered, you'll have 10 more. Eventually, enough has to be enough and you just have to do it. Mm, doubts and doubts and doubts. Yep. <laughs> That's what I experienced. Yeah. Okay. Just let them so, be. Let those uh, doubts run in the background, like those apps. Yeah. Because you will keep getting, they will keep popping up. That's right. I mm-hmm. said doubt is stage one, and it can also be stage 10 and stage 13 and stage, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then my next one, uh, what are your top maybe three or so uh, resources or kind of healing techniques um, that you would recommend to listeners? Uh, top one. I don't even like to call it technique, but mindset, avoid the five F's mm-hmm. top. That's my first one that has done more for me than all of the psychodynamic, this uh, introspection that I've done. That is the top one. Avoid the five F's. Number two, a, a, um, a slogan that I've came up with and coined is don't obsess, don't repress. That's your mantra for um, for emotions and pain, which are the same thing. Emotions, symptoms, thoughts, all the same thing. Just a communication from your body to you as a spirit, which is a whole other topic. But you are the experiencer of your symptoms, your thoughts, and your emotions that are automatic. And so the way you deal with those is don't repress, don't obsess. Don't try and pretend like it's not there. Don't try and shove it down, push it away, run away, um, compulsively distract. On the other hand, once you allow those things, don't obsess about them. So that's the opposite of trying to push away. And obsessing, I think, is what most people deal with, which is you're thinking about it all day, ruminating about it, um, problem solving, fixing, all that. So don't repress, don't obsess, two mindsets. And then... um, Third, as a resource, I would say um, my favorite. My favorite TMS book at the moment is um, "Unlearn Your Pain." Howard Schubiner. You can. That you don't one, have to do that. One get mentioned gets mentioned a lot. Yeah, I, I like it because it includes the Sarno stuff, but it's 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 expanded on Sarno's work. Um, and that's a whole other conversation, but like, um, I think Schubiner has a good balance of understanding, like you don't have to journal or go do all the shadow work or whatever. Um, a lot of the times we can just unlearn these, these, uh, patterns in our brain. And so I, and he also talked about fight or flight and the emotional aspect in a balanced way. So that's my favorite, very straightforward. Um, and then of course, resources like my YouTube, my Instagram, my reels, I'm a little bit biased, but I think they are gold. <laughs> I think they are gold. My reels, like it is the, it is the, um, bread, it is the meat of recovery and that, and everything I do, I try and cut off the fat. I don't want all the extras. I, if, um, I try and just get down to what's practical that you can do today, right now. And doesn't require you to be an expert psychologist. Mm. I quite like the real you have the stressing about stress one. 
I quite like that reel. So listeners, that's a good one to go look up. <laughs> uh, thank you, Felicia. <laughs> um, I just go back just a second. I just want to say I really like that. Um, don't obsess, don't repress. Because often we're obsessing to avoid what we're repressing. So that just like sums it <laughs> Yes. <up. laughs> Dude, it's, it's TMS theory summed up in, in uh, like four words. It's crazy. It is. Yeah. It's excellent. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so um, much. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joseph. You're welcome. Um, I'm just going to stop the recording now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>